Many of us are coffee shop people these days. Here in Oxford, SFA staff does keyboard work at Cups on West Jackson and High Point just north of the square. We go for caffeine and for community and for a change of scenery. Turns out, more goes on in coffee shops all across the South than meets the casual eye. Certain coffee shops have adopted an ethos, a belief system that affects every aspect of their business. Gravy, 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 gravy. You're listening to Gravy, stories of the changing American South told through the foods we eat. We're a production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, and I'm John T. Edge, your host. Today, author and all-around smart and curious guy, T. Cooper, brings us a story about a trend now percolating all across the South. You can find outposts in Little Rock, Arkansas, in Birmingham, Alabama, and all across the map. Today, Mr. Cooper reports from Knoxville, Tennessee. This is not necessarily a trend you might recognize if you didn't look closely and listen hard. So do you ever enter a space? It could be a restaurant, a store, a gallery, a bar, whatever, and you just sense something? Like it's something you can't clearly define? Something you just intuit? Yeah, like you can't name it or even put a finger on whatever it is and say, yeah, this is what I'm feeling. It just kind of grabs you and you think, hmm, well... I had that feeling the first time I went into K-Brew Coffee. First off, I'm a coffee guy. I just love coffee culture and coffee shops, big, shiny, vintage, airplane-looking espresso machines, surly baristas with questionable facial hair, the sound, the smell of the grind. And in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I lived for three years, Old City Java was my spot. It's in the historic Old City of Knoxville. I was happy at Old City Java, But when I started seeing signs for K-Brew, an upstart coffee spot that was opening a mere two blocks from my house, we're talking I could literally roll off my front porch down the hill to it, I kind of had to give it a try. It's a tiny storefront with recycled wood countertops, painted brick walls, crumbling plaster. How you guys doing over there today? The eager-to-help, hip young dudes behind the counter redefine the notion of fresh-faced. We are kind of the mom-and-pop, but brother-and-brother shop, if you want to call it that. That's 26-year-old owner Pierce Lamachia. He and his younger brother, Michael, opened this place together in late 2013. Pierce, appropriately, has piercing blue eyes and the kind of baby face that makes you confident he could still join a boy band if the specialty coffee thing doesn't pan out. Pierce and his crew are always friendly and kind, yet every time I visited K-Brew and Pierce or the other baristas would greet me with, hey, brother, as I placed my order, I just got that feeling I was talking about, that feeling I couldn't put my finger on. And then one morning, I spotted a well-worn Bible split open on a rear cafe table, a flyer for a weekend workshop about walking in Jesus' footsteps, a chunky metal cross slipping out of a barista's plaid shirt. Wait, is this a Christian coffee shop? Is that a thing? And if so, what is a Christian coffee shop? I'd heard about another coffee place in town called Remedy, right around the corner from Old City Java. Rumor had it that Remedy was affiliated with a church, and that they actually held services there, perhaps even proselytized to customers. I'd been aware of how young Christians, especially in the South, have started to migrate into alternative subcultures like punk music and skateboarding in hopes of luring more millennials back into the church. Was K-Brew yet another church-affiliated shop in town? Was coffee the next conveyance for spreading the gospel? 
I decided to go on a caffeine pilgrimage of Knoxville to find out. Is this a Christian coffee shop? (laughs) Yeah. Did you not know that? I seem to recall that at some point, but uh, I didn't have any strong belief on it one way or the other. That's Warren DeWitt and his girlfriend, Allison Sachs, UT students whom I found studying computer science and physics at Remedy Coffee, a shop that on its website states plainly, if discreetly, its affiliation with Knox Life Church. Remedy barista Liza Hawkins, a recent college graduate and self-described believer, broke it down this way. We're not specifically a Christian coffee house. We just attract a lot of that culture, you know, because we were started by, like, the owners of our coffee shop are the pastor and founders of Knox Life Church. So Knox Life used to meet in the back room, and they still use a lot of our facilities, but Remedy itself is separate from Knox Life. This was sounding familiar. When I'd called Remedy the week earlier to try to catch the owner, I was told by the fellow who answered the phone, dude, we're not a Christian coffee shop. I get that. I totally do, I explained to him. But it says on your website, he interrupted me, dude, we're just a regular, like, downtown coffee shop. It's not a Christian coffee shop. This in a city where, when I moved there, the first question most new acquaintances asked was, so where are you and your family going to worship? And with upwards of 800 churches, Knoxville is said to have the most churches per capita of any city in the U.S. Like, I'm trying to figure out why, in a place like Knoxville, folks might not want to be known, quote, known as a Christian coffee shop. In my opinion, I think that it's easiest to love and take care of people when you don't talk about how you identify. You know, you just, you treat them like you would everyone else. You don't have to say, God bless you, after every cup of coffee. You know, you can just present it with a smile and kindness, and that communicates the same message, essentially. So I think trying not to identify as a Christian coffee house is more like we just want everyone to feel like they can come and be. Which seems to be working, at least for physics major Allison, who says that the vibe of Remedy makes it her favorite retreat in town. The one thing that I look for is a place that doesn't sort of like push their dogma on there. That They've got their energy, but beyond that, they're just a place. They're an establishment where if you decide you want to seek out something further, that's your choice, no pressure, no anything like that. That vibe is also felt on the other side of the counter. While most of the baristas are believers, Remedy makes a point of keeping one or two non-believers on staff, too. Everybody is welcome, says Sarah Alsobrooks. She's co-owner of Remedy, along with her husband, oh Sean. You look super fallish and... Well, yeah, so do you. Sarah is flying solo on this crisp Sunday morning at Knox Life, the church she and Sean also founded together. Sean wasn't preaching that day. He was homesick, tending to the couple's three children while prepping for an upcoming men's retreat. Hey, how are you? The young couple's flock meets at the historic Bijou Theater on Gay Street. The Knox Life congregation this morning appears split between 20-somethings in backwards baseball hats, holding hands with girlfriends and pumps and cardigans and the hoodie and flannel shirt layer downtown homeless population enjoying free breakfast in the back of the theater. We started Knox Life seven years ago and just a church for people who kind of hate church and religion and just wanted a place where they could come and explore and um, be among people that were open to questioning and just figuring out this journey. Sarah says Remedy answered a similar calling. We live downtown, and so we thought a coffee shop would be a great place to have a third place where people of 
all areas, all different religions, all different economic levels, everyone could just kind of come together and either see someone that they knew or meet somebody new. And so um, we started Remedy. But during the week, it's a coffee shop, and it is not a church coffee shop. It's just a coffee shop. It's owned by a church, but it is not. um, We really, we try to keep them separate, you know. I wondered why the believers at Remedy are trying so hard to maintain this separation of church and coffee. I mean, year after year, Knoxville tops the most Bible-minded cities list. I don't know. I just have not found it effective. I've found it offensive when people try to talk to people about God at the table next to them, and we are just not okay with that. Just, I, I can see their heart in it. I think in the South, everybody talks about church all the time and God all the time, and it's um, it can be wonderful and it can be offensive all at the same time. And so I just feel, my husband and I, Sean and I both feel that um, that's a, such a private matter, and um, it... You just have to have permission to talk about that. And I don't even, I wouldn't want someone talking to me about it. You guys are invited to get more coffee, more donuts. Let's just pray for us. Jesus, we love you. You're so good. You're so kind. You're so loving. You're so gentle. Bradley Hood is frontman of the Knox Life Worship Band. Before and during the gatherings, his six-piece outfit belts out loud covers of contemporary Christian rock bands like Citizen Way and Switchfoot as well as secular acts like American Idol, Philip Phillips, and Lady Antebellum. I go to Remedy probably at least once a week, if not more, and I think it's fantastic. Um, I like the fact that it's a semi-new way to also even just fund ministry, to where church doesn't come ab- become about, we need your money. It's kind of a good way to kind of self-sustain you know, a ministry. On the church website, it states that all of Remedy's after-tax profits go to ideas, people, and organizations that need it most. Pastor Sean of Knox Life says that none of Remedy's funds go directly to the church. And Sarah reaffirmed that Remedy's goal is not to make profit or to become a booming business, but rather to be that third place for everybody to gather. And as far as she's concerned... Jesus would have gotten his macchiato on, too. Hey, he would have just hung out in this coffee shop and he wouldn't have even said anything about anything. He would have just accepted you for who you are, loved you for who you are, and just hung out and and celebrated with you. And I think that's one of the big things that Knox Life and Remedy likes to do is celebrate with our community. So say Jesus was sitting at the table next to you at Remedy, even he wouldn't be encouraged to turn around and start chatting to you about the Pharisees. I've not heard one person walk into Remedy and say, oh, like those church people, oh, they're trying to, no, it's like a, it's like, I didn't even know a church owned it. I love that. Sarah may not have heard those skeptics, but they do exist. In the front window of Remedy, sitting beside a table offering well-thumbed copies of The New Yorker and Rolling Stone magazines, I find 30-something married couple Matthew and Mindy celebrating that rare, quiet moment without their teenage daughter. Matthew's enjoying a Chemex pour-over, Mindy's sipping iced coffee from a mason jar. The couple used to be believers, but now they're not. We haven't always felt this way spiritually. It's been a process and a journey, so we still know a lot of people who are. We still know a lot of people who think we are. So, <laughs> Closet cases. Yes. <laughs> okay. I work at a church, so I'm going to stay on the down low with this conversation. (laughs) Mindy manages social media and writes the newsletter for a church not affiliated with Knox Life. Matthew runs a small local business. It is a very conservative, very uh, religious area, and I'm self-employed, so I'm dealing a lot with general public kind of people. So talking about not being a Christian wouldn't be the best business strategy. 
which is why Matthew and Mindy asked to be referred to by given names only. This is the first time we have sat down in Remedy and had coffee because we did know that it was a Christian coffee shop. We came in today because I have a friend that's working here now. Turns out Mindy had a lot more to say about, dude, it's not a Christian coffee shop, once she found out that this story would be running after she was to start a new job, not at a church, by the way. I think it comes to the way hipster Christians are pursuing doing ministry and um, trying to do the whole incognito approach that allows them to appear approachable. But I don't think it works because it's not very transparent. You know what I mean? Like it's, it feels shady. Todd Young doesn't find it shady though. He's one of the non-believers who works at Remedy and says he's chatted with Christians here who aren't trying to fly under the radar. There's a there's quite a few of the local preachers and stuff that come in and hang around and stuff. And I've had plenty of conversations of, about religion with them, but it's never been like an irksome subject in, in any way. So I've never felt like that I've had anything pushed on me from any, you know, like any of the customers or certainly not from any of the guys that I work with and stuff. It's, it's a pretty open environment. While Todd prepared custom latte art for a pair of newlyweds, Matthew, Mindy, and I sat and visited for a while, as you do in a coffee shop of any persuasion. We talked tween-age daughters, Chemex versus Espresso, and more about the secular versus Christian coffee scene in Knoxville. They brought up yet another independent coffee shop that had just opened its doors a few miles away, the Blue Mason. I checked out their Facebook page <laughs> while I was waiting for them to open. I was like, oh, shit. How did you know that the, it had the, that Christian vibe? The language that they used, the pictures that they posted. Their communication. And I happened to know some of the people that were commenting on their page from other church environments. So it was easy to put all the clues together. But there's, there's a language, there's lingo, that, there's Christianese is what we call it. And you learn to recognize it pretty quickly. Did you look at their mission statement? That's a little lofty. It sounds a lot like mission. (laughs) It's a bit much. I took a drive out west to meet one of the Blue Mason's owners, 25-year-old Calvin Dillinger, who has the air and look of somebody who just sold a wildly successful Silicon Valley tech startup. His brand new shop sported a fresh coat of dreamy blue paint, hand-forged metal tables, a vintage bicycle affixed to the wall as art. So I asked Calvin, is, in fact, Blue Mason's mission entwined with faith? I wouldn't say that we're a Christian business. Um, I would say that, you know, our, our three owners are believers. Um, but for us, we just wanted this to be a place that connected people. Our door is wide open to anybody that wants to come in here and connect with each other and, and to grow together and to have real relationships together, whatever that looks like. Calvin is a fairly recent transplant to Knoxville, hailing from Grand Rapids, Michigan. He grew up following Christ, but he didn't see a lot of businesses up north which put Christianity front and center. It's one of the interesting things about moving down to the south. In the north, religion and even you know the Christian walk isn't necessarily cultural, especially in urban settings. It's really not something that's the norm. So it is it's definitely a different environment being in the south. The thing I love about the south is it's so oriented around the family and around a community. And so that's something that that I can totally get behind. Family, faith, connection, growth, community, relationships, building, hope, integrity. This must be the Christianese 
Mindy was talking about. I would say we're a business that has a group of believers that, that are owners, not necessarily a Christian business, but it does affect the way that a business is run. So it's more like, dude, we're Christian, but our coffee shop's not. Coming up, a coffee shop where Christian beliefs are so deeply ingrained in the business that they inform the employee guidelines. But first... What will be on your breakfast table this Sunday? Picture this. Thick-cut, juicy bacon, crispy-edged hash brown potatoes, mom's buttermilk pancakes and sausage hash all cooked in lodge skillets. Lodge Manufacturing of South Pittsburgh, Tennessee has kept cooking traditions alive since 1896. For every Sunday breakfast of your dreams and Lodge's support of this podcast, we thank them. And now back to T. Cooper and the story. Back on my trek through the Knoxville artisanal coffee scene, I figured it was time to stop and grab an iced soy latte from one of the two non-Christian influenced coffee shops in town. As in, dude, I'm not Christian and neither is my coffee. Sean Parrish is co-owner, with his wife Meg, of my main squeeze, Old City Java. Sean doesn't belong to any church, and he didn't particularly delight in my bringing up the subject of his secular coffee shop versus Remedy, the non-Christian Christian coffee shop around the corner. I don't really think about it too much, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't feel threatened by it. I think I just kind of believe that if, you're, if, if you open your doors to all people and you're kind and you provide a, a good and desirable product that people come. Since we'd become buddies over the few years I'd been buying my lattes and some of the best homemade croissants around, I pressed my luck, despite Sean's visible discomfort. I asked whether he noticed any of his customers debating the local Christian versus non-Christian coffee quandary. I mean, people have, have their opinions, you know, and they express them uh, for a variety of reasons. I mean, some people prefer this space over that space. Some people prefer, you know, this coffee over that coffee or vice versa. You know, and some people have definitely mentioned, you know, feeling more comfortable here than there. But I'm sure they hear the same thing. You know, I'm not sure if that has anything to do, you know, based on on faith or if it's just personal perspective and comfort. One Java regular who had no problem drawing a line in the sand between Old City Java and Remedy is Justin Beatty. He's a self-described non-believer who lives down the block from both shops. He remembers going into Remedy one day for a meeting. It all started coming clear to me. Like I was looking around at like some of the books people were reading and some of the stuff on the wall and I was just like, I just finally pieced it all together and I said it to my friend Joe and he was like, yeah, duh, you didn't know that? Like, it was so obvious to him, but... So Justin made a choice. I'd kind of stay away from Remedy. I just don't really like the vibes how much in Remedy, and I feel like they're a little upfront about, like, you know, their beliefs and what they try to push, and here it's just low-key, just, you know, it's relaxed atmosphere, so... So do all of the non-believers congregate at Old City Java? Just as I was wondering whether maybe that was the case... I started talking to barista Sarah Musgrave. I don't know necessarily whatever I believe. Sarah has worked at Old City Java for two years. She likes the respectful vibe in the shop where personal preferences like faith aren't on the menu for customers or staff. Turns out Sarah is a believer. There goes my theory about secular coffee shops attracting only secular people. Like, I've heard jokes about, I think that they're going to try and convert me, or um, everybody's sitting around reading their Bibles. And when I hear those comments, I think about people who choose to go to the church places um, because they feel free to sit around and read their Bible. Even in the New South, you'd be hard-pressed to find many aspects of life and culture 
that are not in some way influenced by religion. And young, urban, mobile folks who find it increasingly difficult to stay connected to the church seem to crave somewhere to congregate that already jives with their daily routines and social lives. Barista Sarah sees where the concept of the Christian coffee shop fills a void. I think that churches have become more of a building and less of a community space. Um, You come and you go and sometimes you'll meet people, but a coffee shop is somewhere where you do get to sit and talk. Um, It is a big part of the church and, um, and the South, like inviting people to your porch and instead you're inviting them to a coffee shop. It is a trend. It totally is. And it's a trend I don't even necessarily know. It seems in my mind that a coffee shop is very conducive to Christians, but why is that? Like, it doesn't, it's kind of odd, you know? But ever since I can remember, I was meeting at Panera and Starbucks and other coffee shops and having discussions and bringing my Bible and having Christian discussions with uh, brothers or or sisters or, like, even unbelievers, you know? People who were just curious. That's Pierce Lamaccia of K-Brew Coffee. Remember, K-Brew is where all of this started for me with that indeterminate feeling I got when I first walked into the store. First of all, I don't think that our service or who we are as a shop is necessarily better than any other coffee shop because maybe their owners are not Christian. But I think that there are a very simple set of things, that principles and virtues that we can live by as followers of Jesus. In fact, behind the bar, Pierce and his brother have posted seven beliefs that he wants his baristas to keep in mind throughout the workday. And the first one is the golden rule. And it sounds almost cheesy to say, but it is an amazingly simple business principle that if I am in the shop by myself and I drop a lid on the ground that has a a mouth hole on it, and that lid hits and gets dirty. No one's watching, right? You could save a few pennies. One of the cool things about being a follower of Christ is that we do believe that there is a God and that there is a man named Jesus Christ, and he is watching, not like an angry father, but he loves us and he uh, rewards us on those things. And so uh, I have this lid in my hand and the golden rule is simple. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I want to walk into a local business and know that that guy didn't put that lid back up on the rack, that he just tossed it. I want to know I'm not going to be sucking on a dirty lid too, notwithstanding the ideology behind it. I have a unique ability to trust in a higher power for my sustenance, for the food on my table, um, for the success or the failure of my business because I trust really him. I don't trust this business being here. What I tell my little brother all the time in times of stress or times where we don't know where the next uh, deposit's coming from, we always say, if God wants a coffee shop in this corner, he's going to have one. And if he doesn't, it's not. And our job's just to wake up every morning, do the best we can at this job, and, and trust him. I couldn't help but notice that behind us, she's talking to her son about creation and Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, <laughs> amazing. Probably through our hot chocolate. Yes. Unlike at Remedy and Blue Mason, I was getting the feeling that Pierce doesn't really care if K-Brew starts getting known around town as a Christian coffee shop. No, no. I mean, some people may choose to come. Some people might not, you know. Which makes a little more sense than the sort of stealth, almost coy, we aren't, but we are approach at other shops. At K-Brew, it's kind of like, dude, we don't have to call ourselves a Christian coffee shop to be a Christian coffee shop. For me personally, in order to follow Christ with my coffee shop, I don't think I need to say, welcome to Pierce's Christian coffee shop or welcome to Seabrew, uh, Christian <laughs> right? It's very simple. I need to follow the golden rule. I need to love others like myself. I need to do good to those who hate me. And I think that that's following in the steps of Christ. I couldn't help but wonder, though, about my initial feeling. 
about people of other religions or no religion walking into a Christian coffee shop? I mean, what about folks who might not always be on the best personal terms with Jesus? Christ was very clear, judge not, yes, lest ye be judged. You know, he dined with these people. Ultimately, I want people to come here because they experience love and they experience somebody who's going to accept them and be curious about their guests. And just because there's freaking awesome coffee, you know? Of all the Christian-owned places in town, I can imagine myself returning to Cabrew. If only because Pierce and I sat and shared, and he explained to me things I never knew and always wondered about. Like why people read the same passages of the Bible over and over, and what it means to be born again. So while the feeling might still be there, at least I know what it is, and where it comes from. And this, of course, is the point of the Blue Masons, the Remedies, and the Cabrews that are popping up all across the Bible Belt to forge fellowship over a once exotic little brown bean that almost everybody carves out a little time for at some point in their bustling days. But I had one last question for my new brother. Does it say anything in the Bible about the consumption of caffeine? I think Jesus said drink Cabrew coffee, but I can't quite remember. That was maybe in Matthew or Luke? I don't know. Just just drink caper coffee. Be safe. T. Cooper is a writer who lives in Atlanta. Check out the series of books, Changers, that he co-wrote with his wife, Allison Glock. Music for this episode was provided by Scott Miller, Michael Hurst, Computer vs. Banjo, Tyson Rogers, and Diagram Collective. Our theme music is by Wendell Patrick. Sponsorship music is by Jazar. The managing editor for this podcast and all other SFA content is Sarah Camp Milam. Our intern is Robin Miniter. Coming up, a taste of the next episode of Gravy. But first... Family, church, and feeding people are the things that mattered most to Albertha Grant... In 1981, with the help of her children, she opened Bertha's Kitchen in North Charleston, South Carolina. Her community loved her and her food. Bertha Grant passed away in 2007, but her daughters, Sharon Grant Coakley, Linda Pinckney, and Julie Grant, continue to run the business. This year, the James Beard Foundation honored Bertha's with an America's Classics Award. Here's an excerpt from an oral history interview with Julie Grant in 2013. She fed the neighborhood. We were close around here because, you know, it's a close-knit neighborhood. But whenever a pot was brewing and if somebody came in and said they were hungry, she would feed them. To hear more stories from Bertha's Kitchen and our Women at Work in Charleston project, visit southernfoodways.org. While you're online, we'd ask that you consider becoming an SFA member. Membership dollars support all our work, including oral histories and this gravy podcast. Coming up next time on Gravy, we head to Lexington, Kentucky, but we also kind of head to Mexico, too. Just a list of tacos? Oh, man. Tacos de carne asada, tacos de tinga, tacos de pollo, tacos de barbacoa, uh, tacos de lengua. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, you know, not for the faint of heart. Tacos de sesos, tacos, brain tacos, anything you can fold in a tortilla is technically, I'd say, a taco. Mexicans in Lexington, Kentucky, some incredible tacos and stories of home. That's next time on Gravy. And as you go about your day, please remember, make cornbread, not war. Cornbread, not war.